Welcome back, everybody, to the Stark Wars podcast. Today we are recapping episodes one and two of The Bad Batch. So if you haven't seen both of those episodes, go watch them. Uh, and I am here. I, I'm here with the whole Bad Batch in and of itself. And uh, I've got my own little hunter here. Tommy. Tommy, how's it going? I, I'm good because good soldiers follow orders. So I will stay as as your number two and I will not disobey the commands. Sir, that is a good uh, yes. Execute order sixty six, Tommy. <laughs> oh no, I'm scared now. <laughs> and uh, are scared? Yeah. Well, I guess we're gonna figure out. We're gonna figure out where where Greg belongs in the bad badge. Is he a tech? Is he a wrecker? Yeah. But we're here with a uh, uh, pinball enthusiast, Greg Dunlap. Greg, how's it going, man? Good, good. I think that by trade, I would probably be a tech, but by mentality, I would be much more of a wrecker. Yeah, that that, that tracks. Uh, yeah, Greg, yeah, I want to I want to probe you a little bit because yeah, you and I've been talking. I know that like you're recently like in the depths of a large Star Wars rewatch, and I, I guess I'm curious. Uh, if you just kind of want to talk about like, uh, well, well, first and foremost, introduce yourself and tell everyone who you are, but then also like, uh, t- tell us about your rewatch and tell us how the, how uh, the Bad Batch falls into that. Yeah, so uh, my name is Greg Dunlap. I live in Monterey, California. Um, I do digital strategy for a living, whatever that means. And I, um, so I'm a Gen Xer, and so that means I saw Star Wars when I was like eight, and and thus it's a permanent part of my DNA. Um, and so you know, I saw the original trilogy when I was a kid. I distinctly remember going out, standing in line, waiting to see Empire Strikes Back, like all of the people shuffling out of the theater with like their eyes wide, gigantic, you know, on opening weekend and whatnot, and. Um, and going through all of the reissues and raving at my girlfriend at the time about how Greedo shot first and that was bullshit. And, you know, I can't believe they that George Lucas has ruined this great thing. And, and you know, then through the prequels and whatnot. And, and, you know, but I never dove into the extended universe really at all. I watched the movies and that, and, and repeatedly, but that was kind of it. And then um, it was really seeing, very recently seeing The Mandalorian that started me thinking about like, you know, cause everybody's talking about like, oh my God, Ahsoka is in The Mandalorian and, and, you know, all of the history that's happened with Boba Fett and everyone else on that show. And it got me really curious about the extended Star Wars universe. And I hadn't seen the prequels since they came out. I could barely remember anything that happened in them. And so I decided to do a big rewatch starting from the very beginning from uh, Star Wars episode one. So I've done, I've been doing that. I'm all the way through solo now. So I had, uh, I had never seen Clone Wars or Solo before. So I watched all the way through all of Clone Wars and then watched episode three and have seen Solo now. And I'm about to get started on Rebels. And so the things that I really haven't seen yet, um, in the canonical Star Wars. Oh, I also watched the, um, the, um, oh God, I've, the, the Tartakovsky Clone Wars as well. Um, and so of what's left, I haven't seen Rebels and I haven't seen Resistance. Those are my big gaps now. Um, and it's been great. It's been really, really amazing. I didn't realize like what a rich or richer world there was out there. And it's been really, it's been really a lot of fun. Well, Greg, let me know when you start Resistance because I haven't seen it either, and that will motivate me if I can watch it alongside yeah. you. <laughs> um, 
what I'm curious though, um, th this will kind of throw us into like uh, the first big thing in the the series so far, really. And I, I don't know if this is on your radar or not, Greg, but this is leading this is leading you up right into Rebels here. Um, yeah, we get introduced to uh, uh, Padawan uh, Caleb. Did, mm. did you are you aware of who that is? None, okay. not at all. I mean, I assumed from that scene that we were going to further investigate who that person was but no i don't i didn't know well he is a character in in, in rebels he is uh he goes by kanan in rebels but it's caleb dune and uh this all happens in the first couple episodes i'm not spoiling mm -hmm. on anything but he, he's a jedi that survived order 66 and this was like and, and again tommy we talked about it uh, I, I I figured that this show was going to be all about like spider webbing from Rebels to the Mandalorian. It's going to be filling in all these gaps, and we got a little bit of that. Yeah, it seems like they're having fun with the Easter eggs, which I which I enjoy. You know me, I love Easter. Call me the Tommy Bunny because I'm here hop hopping around, and seeing Kane and Caleb come back, even for that that small section, it, it I I got it instantly. I was like, wait, what? And. Uh, <laughs> It was cool for me as a fan. Like that's the stuff. Even if it feels gimmicky sometimes, I, I don't mind it. I want that in my series. Yeah, and it's like it's like I don't. I I think I feel like it's less gimmicky with these characters than it is like bringing Luke back in the Mandalorian felt much more gimmicky than that, right? Because it's like it's just like it's just like such a gigantic character who we already know so well. But for these characters that we're still kind of you know exploring their stories, it feels it feels a lot less gimmicky and a lot cooler to me. Yeah, that's a good point uh, because a lot of these TV show characters aren't as big to the just the general movie watchers, obviously. Um, so it does. It, and I think I think we're just maybe conditioned to Dave Filoni's storytelling because I mean at this point this is just what he does you know it's mm -hmm. like it goes without saying that there's going to be multiple references to his other series in here so uh, and I, I love that about it I love the interconnectivity so but and sometimes it's like small characters like I mean we see the the droid uh, AZI like I loved getting him back and and we see in the second episode jumping a little ahead we see cut which was like such a cool thing to get that brought back and I would rather I think what, exactly what Greg said I would rather have those than everything tie back to the Skywalkers and everything you know we're gonna throw Luke in here now like if it feels justified sure but you have tons of characters you can bring back and get that that touchy feely moment that people want. Uh, without it feeling like everything goes back to the Skywalkers. Yeah, and I mean, one of my criticisms of of Star Wars in general has been how, like, like my criticism of Rogue One is basically that Rogue One is just a movie where they took everything that's in eight year old me's DNA and threw it all into a movie, and that's it. And there's nothing else to it. Like, I'm always my my joke is like I would die for a Star Wars movie where nobody says. Um, where nobody says I've got a bad feeling about this. It's like, it's just like, you know, come on, give it up. It's enough already. Right. It's like, there's enough there that we don't need to be leaning on this stuff anymore. And that's, and that's one of the things that I've really loved about this newer stuff. I mean, obviously clone wars is is much more tied to that universe, but like in bad batch, we didn't reach, we didn't reach back to any of that stuff at all. And I, I think it's really cool. Yeah. Another thing that we're really, and this is kind of diving into this first scene again, um, we're exploring Order 66 before, and, and I think I've expressed this on the podcast. I, I can't get enough of that that storyline because it, it's probably like 
the most like it's got to be like one of the most fascinating events within the Skywalker saga storyline, right? And it's it's explained very briefly in the movies. So I really I, we're getting the we're getting the clones perspectives here. We're getting a little bit more of the Jedi that survived, and uh, yeah, it's just really it like it's wild. And it, c- jumping to the second episode, we see we see those clones again, and they're acting like stormtroopers, you know, and and it's believable. And, and the transition of power, basically. And yeah, that's something I've really appreciated in this show, too. And that's something that started with Clone Wars. I mean, like you said, they did it so poorly in the movies. It's it's like a one-off or Order 66, and, and you don't know why these clones are turning on the Jedi. It's just seen as like, no, they were really the Emperor's puppets all along. And then we get Clone Wars, where we see them bond way more with the Jedi than they do with the Emperor. I don't think the Emperor takes them out for snacks once. They don't go on like fun bar adventures. So they don't get any ranch. Yeah. There was no ranch for them. And so it's, it didn't make sense why they would follow along with these orders. And the idea that it's this microchip is the most fascinating thing that the Clone Wars could have implemented into this universe. And the fact that we're seeing it continue with the bad batch and we're seeing that the bad batch for the most part, minus one, uh, the, the chips weren't working on them. And uh, I think, what we've said about the Bad Batch spidering into other uh, mediums like the Mandalorian or uh, Rebels. I think Rebels is going to be, I think this is going to lead us into Rebels because they're already so connected with just introducing Saul Guerrero. I mean, that's, that's, you're right there already. Now I will, I will be curious with Saul Guerrero. Like, I I wonder if he is, cause that that one feels like if he's not coming back, that one probably feels a bit like a, maybe a a cheap cameo. Um, It was a a little unnecessary. So I I guess I do expect him to come back. I would think so. I mean, you don't drop a cameo like that. I mean, cause she's obviously got a band of rebels now and it feels, it just, it just feels like that's something that's, we're going to be returning to repeatedly periodically in the series. Yeah. Uh, and I want to, yeah, we touched on all, all but one. Um, we, we had the big rise of a new villain in uh, the premiere here, uh, Crosshair, which I, I, I'm excited to gauge your reactions on this because this is, I really loved this decision that they made. Um, a lot of times there are, okay, I'll give an example. Cad Bane um, in the Clone Wars. He's an awesome villain. He's really cool. But that's, I mean, that's kind of it. He, there's no other real connection. He's a cool bounty hunter, right? Um, which Star Wars? Fun, <laughs> he's got a fun hat. He's got a, he's a very very cool hat. Um, but and to be fair, Star Wars has always been uh, reliant. Bubba Fett originally, the love for him started from just standing around looking cool. Darth Vader the same way. Like there was no real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's nothing there to him besides the daunting figure, right? Um, so, but that's typically the type of villain we get in these shows. But Crosshair feels so much more personal to our main characters which makes it so much better. And I'm really, again, exploring like the clone side of Order 66. It's not so much just because your chip isn't in your head doesn't mean that you don't agree with what's going on. You know what I mean? And and that's I think that's really cool. Um, we're getting a lot of different perspectives. So, Yeah, I totally agree. I think that I kept waiting throughout the episode for them to stage a daring rescue of Crosshair and drag him back to the med bay and disable his chip and whatever. And when it didn't happen, I was so happy. It's going to make the whole series much more interesting. And I'm really curious if this is going to be like 
a little arc where they get him back at the end, or if this turns, I really hope it turns into a much longer term thing where it's more like a, a grievous thing where they're constantly encountering him and having to fight him and then nobody really wins and they split off and then it all comes back around again kind of thing. Well, and that's the thing with what I like so far is in the first two episodes, Bad Batch had nothing going into it. They were like, oh, I need to see more Bad Batch. But what they've done is there's already the, you want to know more about what's going to happen with with Crosshair. Like, you want to know more about that. You want to know Omega. I mean, the mystery of Omega. But I think with, with Crosshair, the thing is, I mean, is he essentially our first Dark Trooper? I mean, that's basically what they're hinting is that they're going to take these clones and Tardy is so fascinated by the enhanced clones that I think the enhanced clones become the Dark Troopers, which is cool how that's going to tie into the Mandalorian. Like it's, it's filling in the details we needed to fill in. I am pumped with what they gave us in this episode, in these episodes. Yeah. And Greg, I, I really, I don't know if you've been following the Marvel stuff at all, but just because that's what we've been talking about for the last couple of months. Um, I do find it interesting because it, they're basically they're doing the same things, uh, these Marvel and Star Wars shows. You can watch all of these movies without context of the show, and you're not going to be confused, right? But it still feels like they're doing more with the Bad Batch than the Marvel shows did. And I'm wondering if that's just because the Star Wars shows are more established or they're doing something different. Tommy, I guess I'm, I'm interested to hear what you think about that. Yeah, I think... Weirdly enough, I think Marvel has more pressure on it than the Star Wars does. The Star Wars already exists. It's already a close, sign sealed, deliver thing. These are all now like the cherries on top of the whipped cream that's adding more details. But the, the story arc is we, we know the beginning, we know the end. I think that's the thing with Marvel. There's more pressure because everything they're doing in the TV shows, we don't know what it's going to lead up to because we haven't seen the, the the vision at the end of the tunnel is still open. It's a wide, bright, beautiful world on the other side of there. Yeah, yeah I think Greg, that's I, true. Huh? Sorry. I was I was gonna I was gonna ask uh, if you had any connections. I don't know if you watched any of the Marvel shows or not. I've seen all the movies. I watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but that's about it. So it's like, you know, I kind of, I haven't watched many of the shows. I've been meaning to watch WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier and just haven't gotten around to them. But it's like, I do feel like it's hard, you know, Tommy's totally right. It's harder for a universe that's still in progress and still in motion. It's it's harder. I think you get, I think you have a lot more pressure to kind of retcon things back in and you have to resist that pressure all the time. Um, not that Star Wars hasn't kind of done that themselves as well, but because the story is so established, they don't have as many opportunities to do that. Like we talk about Order 66, which they were able to write the story of because it's such a tiny part in episode three, right? But um, but yeah, no, it's, it is, it, I, I just think you're right that the the ongoing nature of Marvel makes it more difficult for them to, to pull off these kinds of intricate threads in the way that a closed story that you're expanding on does. And I think to, to to add something, I think the other thing with Marvel, yes, we have Kevin Feige who's who's puppeting it all, but I think this may be not exactly right, but I think Dave Filoni has more hands in the cookie jar than Kevin Feige does at Marvel. There's not someone overseeing everything as much at Marvel than I think Star Wars. I think you have Dave Filoni really having his input in every single Star Wars project, so it feels more crisp and more connected than I think Marvel. I, I think it's 
Kevin Feige does an amazing job. Like I'm not trying to come for him, but I do think it's it's so broad and there's so many things that they're trying to do at once. So much that I think when it comes through all those hands, you're going to have those things you were saying, like the retconning of Wanda and all those other moments of that we're seeing where it's only natural with how many directors get their hands on these projects. All right. It'll be I'll... interesting to see what happens with Star Wars in that way as all of the new Disney series start happening and as they expand the universe to see if they can hold it together. Yeah, that's that's the balancing act of all this. Um, and, and even even the uh, I won't dive into it too much because I don't know a whole lot, but I, I saw some complaints that there might have been some retconning of what happened to Kanan in this first scene. Mm. Um, I love it. <laughs> but to me, it seems like whenever there is like a retconning of like a book or a comic, it's usually it, to me, it seems more like, hey, this is just a different interpretation of that event rather than like this entire character is different. Yeah. I took it as like, listen, he was a kid when this happened to him. Do you remember everything that happened when you were a kid to the T I, I took it as him, him retconning it for himself when he's retelling that story is how I, maybe mm. I'm reading too much into it, but. So I want to, uh, I don't know if you guys have anything else on that first scene here. Um, I did want to, I thought this was really funny because this was like, I, I mean, it's obviously been a complaint throughout the prequels and some of the Clone Wars even. Um, a lot of the droid humor, um, you know, I, I don't think it rubs a lot of people the right way. With that being said, I thought it was really funny and clever the way they were handling it in this first scene because you did get a lot of droid humor. But every single time a droid made a joke, Wrecker smashed them, which I thought <laughs> that was really funny. I love how much they always go back to that I'm in charge now thing. I love the I, I'm on the side of like I think the droids are kind of funny. Um, I love that. I love the Clone Wars logo burning away and underneath is the skeleton of the, the Bad Batch. I thought that was so clever. A, a great way to uh, pay homage to Clone Wars in the fact that they even like gave us some of the scenes from the third movie in Clone mm -hmm. Wars form. Like we see the grievous Obi-Wan battle. Like that was cool. It was a good way to pay homage to what's come and now going forward with the Bad Batch. I got to say, I always love droid humor too. The droids are so dumb. Oh my God. You would think that over all the, all these years, the empire and all of their, what millions of software engineers would have figured out a way to make the battle droids be not so dumb, but they're so perfect. I love them to death. There's a really cool episode in rebels and I won't spoil anything. Cause obviously I know you aren't there yet, but mm -hmm. there's one where they pay homage to the battle droids and like that whole thing. And it's a really fun episode um, that, the droids, I think, are underappreciated because once they're gone, I'm almost like, man, I miss that like comedic. No, totally. I think Wrecker's going to start to serve that purpose now going forward as that kind of like, you know, not dumb, but, you know, just like he's the one who was making me laugh a lot in this episode. Yeah, I think the droids, maybe this is a hot take, I think the droids had better character than than the stormtroopers <laughs> i think the stormtroopers are so like boring but the droids at least they had some emotion they wanted to be in charge and stuff the stormtroopers are just like go to your cell meh, meh, meh. Mm -hmm. not about it uh another another thing that i really liked uh here there was a there was a comment about echo and it's it's basically the same way they described vader at one point He's more machine than man. I thought that was a nice little callback. Yeah, I, they did really good with the callbacks. I loved, like you said, yada yada in this first scene that we've talked a lot about. I loved just the small parts, seeing the, the group falling apart a little bit about like 
Should they let this Padawan go? And I like the fact that they weren't just instantly like, yeah, the Jedi are good. Like they were, they were questioning what was happening even without the microchips. They were like, maybe, maybe the Jedi did do something. We mm-hmm. need to find out more information before we just murder a bunch of people, though. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, do you guys have anything else on that first scene? Because I, I'm really excited to jump into uh, our next little character introduction we get here, um, Omega. So uh, look, oh. yeah, Greg. Oh, I was just going to say Omega and her outrageously New Zealand accent. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty in because uh, uh, Tamara Morrison—that's his name. He—he mm-hmm. he is a New Zealander, or, may, or maybe he's Australian. But and, and you do get a hint of that accent in his portrayal of the clones and and uh, Bubba Fett even. But this, this accent is like uh, dialed up to an eleven, so that I, I'm down for it. Though I like the accent. Yeah, I've watched a lot of Survivor New Zealand, and I recognized it immediately. I liked Omega. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a classy lady. I, I so is help- this? Is she new to the universe, or is she someone who has existed in other properties that I haven't seen before? Yeah, she is brand new, so so welcome okay. aboard the. And I, I'm getting the vibes here that this is going to be a very important character. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I I don't really see the need to like ensure like for instance, we're we're going, we're we're talking about Rex, we're going back to Cut, you know, we're, it's so much like the clones tying up their loose ends and seeing some older characters. The fact that we're getting in like a brand new character here, I don't think it's on accent. I have a feeling Omega is going to be a big part of the Star Wars universe moving forward. I don't think this is the only property that she's going to be in. And I think that they're, uh, I'm interested to hear some theories because I've got a good one about Omega. Do you know what my gripe with Omega is though? As much as like, I love what they did. It feels way too close to Mandalorian. You have, Hunter being mm. the Mando-like person that's like, no, I'm a soldier, I need to stay to the mission, but now there's this kid who's softening my heart, and we are now are traveling with this kid. I just want to see some differences between the two properties. And there are differences between the two properties, but it was a little too close of like, listen, I love Omega, Omega is going to be interesting. But again, what you know, we we just had Grogu, and it's like, all right, now we're getting the new baby that everyone's gonna love and adore this little kid now. I don't know. Yeah, they really hit you over the head with that in episode two. I felt like, like I liked episode, I liked the premiere a lot better, and I hope that like they can keep that vibe up a little more than the than what you're talking about the parenting vibe. I haven't really drawn that parallel to Mandalorian before, but that's that's totally true. Well, it's interesting, and and we're kind of around here a lot, but so bear with us. But uh, it's interesting because she she makes this choice in the second episode, where she has the opportunity to go live a normal kid's life, and then she has mm-hmm. the choice to go uh, be with the soldiers, and she chooses being with the soldiers. And I, I think that 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 alone is going to be what really separates the two storylines. I think I think she's a very different type of character in that way. And I'll go ahead, I'll go ahead and throw my theory out there. Um, I, it doesn't seem like the Bad Batch were mistakes, to, to put it lightly, right? Uh, they were they seem to be like more mutations, while Omega almost seems like more intentional. Um, mm-hmm. I, so I, I have to imagine, what were they trying to create when they made Omega? And I, and I have to, my guess would be, and, and maybe this is getting too close to Grogu and some of the Grogu theories. I know some of the Grogu, uh, he's a clone or whatever, but... Um, 
I, I don't think it's impossible that Omega is force sensitive. That would mm. be, so my prediction was the same thing. They were trying to make Jedi clones because if they could, you know, you already have storm or clone troopers, but if you can get an army of Jedi that they can just manufacture instead of going searching for force people, it, it makes perfect sense why possibly they would be trying to create this. I a hundred percent think you're right, Michael. I, I think she definitely is force sensitive. You know, it's interesting because I've always wondered when I saw the original Bad Batch episodes in Clone Wars, I wondered, you know, you've got these mutations that are so performant. Why wouldn't you purposely try to create clones that had those mutations to get more? And now here we are possibly in seeing something like that happening. Yeah. Imagine if they had uh, an army of clone wreckers. Like, come on. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> well, you just still hilarious. You just steal their stuffed animal, and then they'd all be like, oh, no. Like. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, yes, I, I really – I like Omega. I, I, again, I, I feel like she's going to be an important property. Again, uh, Dave Filoni loves to throw people in. Uh, conveniently, we have another season of Mandalorian come out. I, I think – I also think it's interesting that uh, that she is a child, which means she has room to grow up and be in the Mandalorian as an adult. So, What's up with her headband? Oh yeah, yeah, that's uh that's interesting. Uh I, I didn't really have any theories. I thought it was maybe just like a uh some some fancy jewelry from Camino, but yeah, I I don't know. Jedi relic maybe? Good call, maybe. Yeah, I'm not uh, some sort of uh I mean, it's not a, it doesn't look like a kyber crystal, but it could have that. I think it's going to be important though. I do think it's going to come up and I think it's going to be something important with Omega's character. Yeah, and also she's she's a medical assistant, and uh, I, I don't know if that means anything to you guys. I, again, I, I find it it was interesting that she's a child, and she, and she uh, I, I guess they said she has like a heightened sense of awareness or something. So um, yeah, it, it it seems a little too convenient to be uh, an accent, even compared to the Bad Batch. Yeah, so, um, we also get a food fight. Uh, Greg, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Greg, are you pro clone food fight? I the thing that I really liked about that scene was how like, you know, we've been portrayed the bad batch as these ass kicking, you know, monsters and stuff like this and they get in with all the other clones and all the other clones are like they're the weirdos and the outcasts, you know, they get called the sad batch and stuff like that. And I really liked that perspective, right? Like that these that they are highly functioning but they're also very much outsiders within the group of the other clones. And so that perspective I thought was real the, the really cool part about this scene. I mean, it was hilarious watching Wrecker throw trays at people and <laughs> stuff like that too. But but I mean I thought that was what I really got out of that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like they're and and they talk about I think many times of like this could take down armies. They are probably mm -hmm. the strongest team out there, and yet even their own people see them as the weak link because of their mal their malfunctions or their enhancements. Mm -hmm. um, they're being seen as freaks when in reality maybe maybe they're the future. Exactly. Um, so an another uh, another interesting cameo we get here. Uh, we get Tarkin. Um, I, this was uh, I, I, I like this again. It's giving a bit more context and it's weaving from three to four a little bit more. And and uh, I've, I, Tommy, I expressed it in our preview show. I wasn't necessarily excited to see Tarkin. I didn't see the point in him being there, but I think he really is going to be 
he is like uh, the explanation for what goes south with the clones in the future. So yeah, well, what I think they realized was the more you show Darth Vader, the more you show the Emperor, they kind of lose their menacingness. Kind of like we said, they were more scary when they were just like these silent uh, people. That I think Tarkin is a good person to use as your um, your liaison almost for the Emperor and Darth Vader without always having them. Because if you have them show up, they lose their scariness. If they keep showing up in events, it's like and the other the other people leave and escape and win almost, it makes their threats less threatening. So I think it makes sense to make Tarkin this person. He's terrifying in his own way. I mean, it's just his almost like cold dialogue is terrifying. And when he goes into this, you know, he tells them they're going to go into training. It's like instantly you know this is not a good thing. This is not fun training. Yeah, I gotta say we missed one other scene in there in the scene where they're all in the um, in the in the group meeting where all of the clones get together and Tarkin is speaking to them and or when the Emperor is speaking to them and he says this is the rise of the Galactic Empire. Whenever I hear the Imperial March, I swear I get chills like I'm 12 years old again every single time. It's absolutely amazing. I loved I loved that scene. Yeah, they don't fudge it. I mean, yeah, obviously they have all these great musical callbacks. But one thing I did notice throughout both these episodes was just the music in general. Um, yeah, it just it gives me chills. I mean, it's it's super cinematic. It, it all it almost feels like there's no separation between the quality of the movies and and this TV show, this cartoon TV show for teens. So, yeah, they really, really like they really amped up the production values in Bad Batch, I thought, like way more than they had in Clone Wars before. Yeah, so Greg, I, I'm, Greg, I want to I want to gauge your reaction on Tarkin here and I, I guess uh, their whole little training sequence as well. Uh, what do you think about all this? I liked it. You know, I since I had just watched Clone Wars, I ha I got to see Tarkin's, you know, turn from good to bad, which I hadn't known about before because I had only known Tarkin through um, the original trilogy. Um, so, you know, watching that progress and watching Tarkin kind of become the new, you know, big bad uh, in this in this area was really good. The training sequence was really cool. I mean, it was a great set piece. It was a good action sequence. It showed how the group worked together. Like it served a lot of purposes for the story. It wasn't like, you know, it's not like it was the most exciting thing and we knew, didn't, we knew exactly how it was going to end up and stuff like that. So, you know, it served its purpose, but it wasn't like the most amazing scene that we've ever seen in any of the series. It didn't have that much impact or anything. Yeah, I, uh, there, yeah, I there there are some cool moments. I really like. Uh, I, I this might this might even have been earlier. I don't even remember, but I believe there was there was a point where um, Wrecker throws his knife and then uh, Crosshair, and then shoots, Crosshair shoots, shoots it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was easily the best part. Where Crosshair he just says Wrecker knife and he throws it and then he bolts it into the guy's head. That was easily the coolest part. Yeah, yeah. I want more. I want more of that. Like, I, I really like when they get super inventive and smart with uh, how they do this stuff. And um, I, I kind of, I kind of, uh, I, I don't know if if Vader is going to show up in the show, but I had like uh, something like just came to me, and I, I, I could really picture this scene happening. Um, again, talking about Marvel, um, I'm thinking of the fight scene with Thanos where they're trying to pull his gauntlet off and you have everybody there and they're all using their own unique powers to do it. And uh, I, I can see that scene happening again with a fight between Vader and the Bad Batch. I, mm, I, I, yeah. I, feel, I don't know if that's going to happen, but uh, there's a prediction. I'll throw that one out there. 
See, but don't you think it lessens like Vader's scariness if like he, if the Bad Batch keep up with him? Unless he de- decimates the whole Bad Batch. But I feel like if we're trying to make Darth Vader this powerful creature that beats everyone, like we, we saw how he handled those stormtroopers in Rogue One, right? Slice, 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 slice. slice, slice, slice. Well, I think. Uh, well, first and foremost, I don't think Vader will ever be like at this point. They're not afraid to put Vader in any of these properties, right? I mean, he shows up. Uh, everywhere at this point. He's at the end of Clone Wars. I won't spoil Greg on anything else. Um, he's in video games. He like he's at the end of Rogue One. I don't they're not necessarily afraid to throw him in there. I don't think he'll ever have a big role, but I think I think the thing is um, he he <laughs> I guess you, you make a good point because he doesn't ever win these fights per se. Um, but he doesn't lose but he doesn't, he doesn't lose. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't, they even, like in any property, they always have it where either the people get away, but it's like at a devastating loss. And I think that's, you can only do it so many times, but I agree with you. I don't think they're afraid to throw them in there. I just don't know how many times you can pull the Vader cord and be like, all right, now we're just going to bring Vader in. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those things where it's hard because we know how that story ends already, right? So it's like you can't have anyone kill him, but you can only watch it. I mean, I kind of felt like this with the Grievous and Dooku stuff in Clone Wars where it's like, you know, how many times can we see Obi-Wan fight Grievous and lose and both of them walk away before it's just like, come on, let's get on with it, you know? Yeah, there's lightsaber battles in Clone Wars with like four surviving characters, and I'm just like, oh, yeah. I know how this is gonna end, and they're all just gonna <laughs> walk away. Like, right. Uh, but no, that's a, that's a good point. Um, we talked about this our next scene here a little bit. Uh, we get we get our saw the the Bad Batch is sent on a mission. They're told that they're going to eliminate some of the remaining separatist droids when they show up. I, I don't know how they expected this to go because uh, I mean, clearly these people were not droids when they showed up. It was Saul Guerrero and his uh, his little band of uh, of rebels. So yeah, I, we did miss one little interesting touch point before that when Tarkin reveals that one of their own had given him some information, right? And so that's like the first point where we see that perhaps Crosshair is starting to actually turn on his own. Yes, it would which, be interesting know, if yeah. it wasn't cross. I mean, I, I think they basically yeah. confirmed it was Crosshair, but right, it would right, be right. interesting if it was someone else as long as well as crosshair uh, right but, right but yeah but yeah it was see... the... Sorry, no, i was just gonna say it was the first telegraphing towards the end yeah yeah and then we see good old sal i you know saw i have a love-hate relationship with saw i think they use him I, I think he needs more time to expand on him. When they bring him in, it's so little that it doesn't give me enough to really understand Saw. Like when they brought him into Rogue One, I'm like, fine, I guess. Like, like, but you know, I liked him in this small scene. Like he he still had some compassion with him. It wasn't like he was completely turned off from people, and he was like, listen, like we know what's going to happen. The war's not over. You'd be foolish to think this war is over. I will say about Saul, um, he does. He shows. He shows up in Rogue One. He shows up in uh, uh, Fallen Order. He shows up. He, he's another one, just like Vader. He, he's he's got his hand in every little uh, cookie jar here. But I will say, what I am looking forward to is Saul was Dave Filoni's creation, and Saul is back in Dave Filoni's hands. So I have to, and, and also the most interesting part of Saul's story 
is in the Clone Wars. There's nothing that ever really matches what's going on there. So I'm really excited to see what else Dave Filoni has in store for this character. Because again, I don't think he would bring him in for no reason. No, just that it's like, you know, it's interesting that it's setting up like them starting to realize that maybe everything's not as it seems, you know, and 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 starting and all of them starting to like kind of figure out that there's something that there's something else going on and there's something they're going to have to do. Yeah, and also uh, at the end, at the end here, when they when they walk away, Crosshair is kind of upset that, um, that again, yeah. this is kind of uh, slowly creeping up to his uh, rise to uh, villainy. But again, I think this is super believable. Like, you have to think about the clone's perspective. These guys, like their entire lives, are just following orders. You know, mm-hmm. um, he doesn't know anything else. So when somebody tries to defect, like he doesn't understand that. And I'm sure he's found himself in situations where. He's had to eliminate people that that have seen it innocent like these rebels. So Crosshair, he's really believable. I I, I like Crosshair. Oh, yeah. Well, and especially when you remember the chip is working on him, right? Because it's like it doesn't make sense that he'd be different than the others. Because like like they've said multiple times, they, they've broken rules all the time. Like they they do what others cannot, which is like go above the or the rules when they see fit. But I think when he, he's been triggered now, like any sense of like breaking rules has been blocked for him. And the only thing that's still keeping him is his love for his brothers, his group. And like, that's why I don't think he's fully gone yet. Plus like it, it is like not fully working. So it's like, even though he's making these small gripes, he hasn't done anything to go against them yet. And I think that's like important that like there, he still is, I think fighting the command. Like we see coming up, we see that important scene with Omega. And I thought that was so pure where she's just like listen i know this isn't you like i know you mm-hmm. like you are fighting everything and i know what you're going to do but don't do it <laughs> yeah so uh the ne- the next scene here is interesting and and i really like how all, I, I like this whole sequence i like i like that they get captured um it starts off oh. with omega Yes. I was just going to say that on Onderon, of course we f- we get the revelation that omega is in fact an enhanced clone herself Yes, yes. So that is uh, that is interesting. And again, she's she's kind of up to no good. She's kind of I mean, throughout these first two episodes, she's up to no good the entire time. But um, she's kind of snooping. She's snooping in their and uh, their stuff. She's like looking at their iPad or whatever. So and uh, but this she gets caught. And uh, as well as the, the Bad Batch will show up here and they get caught and they're thrown in this. Again, I love I love that they got captured and I love the way they got out. I thought this was, this whole sequence was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, Tommy, what do you think about the imprisonment here? Yeah, they were a little rough with them. Like, listen, I get it, but maybe be a little more gentle. I uh, I will say with with Omega, I it, she is the first female clone, correct? And I think that's got to tie. That's not done for no reason. And so I think it'll be interesting again, the more we learn about Omega, the more we learn about her uh, powers, essentially uh, for better, uh, better use of words, enhancements, I guess. I think that's going to be important, but yeah, I, I thought this was fine. And like, it seems like it was kind of a part of play. And we see a nice moment with Hunter and Omega. And then, like I said, we see that scene where, where Crosshair is still being all mopey and Omega is just like, listen, I know what you want to do, but like, don't do it, <laughs> please. Yeah, they also. This is where uh, I, I, they're officially on board with Omega, right? They they kind of recruit her, and then, and this is kind of like the, this. Also, this entire scene kind of acts as the transition out from Crosshair and end with Omega, right? Um, mm-hmm. 
we get we get Crosshair who gets taken in. We find out his chip was working a little bit, but not completely. And they make it work completely. Um, but yeah, and then Omega's here as well. And uh, yeah, the the escape sequence uh, is interesting. Uh, again, re- I don't know how you guys feel. I, I'm not a huge Riker fan. I'll, I'll just say it. <laughs> uh, I, I just feel like he again is just probably the most one note um, of them all. But I did I did like where he just kind of punches his <laughs> his way out of the prison because I mean that's all he does, right? Thus far, but I, I guess I guess the only difference uh, he's got, like you said, he's got a stuffed animal, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think for me, Wrecker is the levity of it all. Um, yeah. There's there's other characters I think that are. I think it's hard to define two members of the Bad Batch, and I have a theory um, that, like, I guess I'll just say not because I hate like you know doing that. Like, oh, we'll see. Uh, I think that by the end of the series, we are going to see Tech die, possibly by Crosshair's hands, because I think Tech and Echo are too similar. When you add Echo, what is the real differences between their abilities? It's like, one had the enhancement of like technology, but like Echo literally is technology. Like He can hack into any computer system, so I think we're gonna. that's going to be our big emotional moment, is like Tech is going to be taken out. That's my prediction. Yeah, Interesting. Uh, Echo Echo's a walking key. That's what he is. So <laughs> that I, I don't know how I, I forget what they call those little uh, R2D2 arms that open uh, and access his information, but he's got one of those. I don't know if that's the best prosthetic. Um maybe in the Star Wars universe, maybe that is like uh everything to them, but I don't know. Even as like a soldier, you'd think like he'd have like a weapon as the arm or something. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess my point is, like, I just feel like Wrecker at least adds something else to it. Like, he's the meathead, and, like, he has, like, moments of, like, to me, he's the most, like, we're a family uh, as the, of the group. Uh, he's, like, the the Olive Garden of the Battle Batch. I do agree with you, too, that he brings the levity. Like, most of the laughs in this, in this are from him, like, when he's talking about how he hates hand signals or when they went to the armory and Crosshair says he actually cried and stuff like that. You know, it's like it's like most of, you know, most of the laughs come from that. And I welcome it. You know, we need we that relief is 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 needed, I think, especially in an episode like this, which is kind of dark when it comes down to it. That is true. Um but yeah, they, they break out. Omega is the one to, uh, she's, she sneaks out and she's able to hit the console. Um, and yeah, they get, they go to the hangar, they get their gear. And this, this is, uh, Wrecker gets shot a few times here. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. yeah. He, he's also like the meat shield, I guess, as well as like mm, the, yeah. meat the, meat, meat shield. the meat head and the meat shield. And this is also crosshair is missing because crosshair was taken yes. by Tarkin to basically, be Targoon is smart and was like, Hey, I can tell he's somewhat he, he knew right away. He's like, These people aren't under my control, they're going to go against me. But he's like, This this one might be able to work. And like I said earlier, they kind of make him into the, the dark trooper. We see him show up in the hangar as they have like a shootout, and there's like a moment where he's like, Just give up your command. He doesn't even call Hunter by name, he calls him Sergeant, right? Which I just felt like was so sad. Mm. Yeah, I really like the shootout scene. Again, this is this is peak crosshair. This is the last time we see him in the first two episodes as well. Um, yeah, I'm. I, I would. I mean, again, I said I really like him. I'd like to see him in as many episodes as possible. I think it would, it would be cool as they're kind of like going on their adventures and tying up their loose ends. That crosshair is always on their tail trying to hunt them down. 
I, it'll probably end up being like Mandalorian in that first season where it's like he gets someplace, he rests, then the people who are the other bounty hunters catch up with him. He's got to move. He has some adventures. They catch up with him. He's got to move again. I, I could see at least this first season progressing in sort of that rhythm. Yeah, or like they're like Inquisitor-esque kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. crosshairs that, yeah, give it a timetable by having someone chase after him and a sense of urgency. Um, yeah, I, I liked him. Like, I think we're definitely going to see more of him throughout the series. Like, I think he's uh, he's part of the Bad Batch still, you know, like he's still going to be a, a focus of it. Uh, Michael, would you like it if I started calling you by your title instead of like your name? So instead of Michael, I just go like podcast leader. Does it feel less? Does it feel more um, less emotional? Let's be real here. Podcast leader is significantly cooler than Michael. So uh, oh, no. Why would I not do that? All right, because like then there's no emotion. It's like I keep won't even call you your name. It's we're just strictly business now, Michael. Podcast That's, leader. I mean, it's cooler. I'm sorry, Tommy. I don't. I don't mean to rid this podcast of emotion, but um, just doesn't yeah. care about the little What's family. What's Greg's title though? uh flunky i don't know <laughs> fair enough uh but yeah so they, they do escape and uh they they're, uh, they they're talking about going to meet an old friend on and i guess sector j19 and uh yeah i i didn't I, I didn't know what that meant but i did do some googling and i, I knew that we were gonna go see cut so apparently mm-hmm. that was said in uh by obi-wan and, and the clone wars so um yeah, it was it was cool to see Cut, and I guess we, we'll we'll kind of jump into the second episode unless anyone else has anything on that first one. Um, yeah, I think the only thing that like the last thing that's mentioned is how the people on uh, the 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 clone base, how they basically say that they're keeping it a secret from the Empire that the Bad Batch escaped, and that specifically mm-hmm. Omega also went with them. Like they're going to keep all of that hush hush for now because they don't know if they can trust the Empire. Yes. I think the other thing there is Omega making her perfect shot to save them and get them all uh, out of the out of the hangar, you know, sort of, you know, advancing this theory that she probably has some special abilities that they don't know about. And whether they're force enhancements like you think or just, you know, general, um, maybe they've brought in a lot of the traits of all of the Bad Batch into her. So, you know, she's got different things. Hard to say, but there's something more there, obviously. Yeah, she's not really. We don't see her. She's not bad at anything, right? Everything that right. she does, she's she's pretty good at. And I think that was. It's interesting because that was such a complaint with Ray, right? She she uh, and, and who's to say whether they ended up retconning who she was or or what? But Ray very much was the same way, where she was just basically born to fight. Like she mm-hmm. she knew how to handle a lightsaber and um yeah so. I wouldn't think that they're going to retread like this character who's just good at stuff uh, if she if she wasn't more important. So yeah. Um, but yes, another another thing I really like about Omega and kind of moving into the second episode here is um, we're really experiencing the world with her. Um, she she mentioned she's never been off of Camino before, um, and, and you have to think like that alone. It's a water planet, right? And she makes the comment when she first lands on this other planet. She's never seen dirt before, right? And that's just such a wild concept where, like, uh, you've never stepped foot on natural surface. You know, that's crazy. So. Yeah, I really loved her kind of natural joy getting to Salukamai, you know, enjoying a real planet for the first time, meeting kids, 
for the first time, all of that stuff was really cool. Yes. And yeah, I, I, and this is where we run into cut. And I think it is, it's natural, a natural uh, next step for them. Right. Cause he, he was a deserter. Right. And uh, they, they run in, they, they basically, they find their way to him. It, the area is booby trapped. Right. Um, but cut and his wife come out and, and pick him up. And uh, it's, it's really also, again, it's really interesting to just see her with other kids. Right. Uh, you don't mm-hmm. get the sense that uh, she, she's around many kids and if she is they're uh all the same right so right. Uh, this this is very cute very cute where they're playing ball and uh yeah i liked all this um but there's also cut cuts talking about rex a lot as well because he, he mentions that rex came and and he was he was talking about the inhibitor chips as well and I, i'm interested to see how rex does tie into this because like we talked about in the preview show, and if you watch the trailers, you'll know that Rex is going to show up. So I'm interested to see um, how Rex is pulled in here. I also, I don't truly understand, and I, I hope maybe uh, some of the stuff with Rex is a little more natural. I don't know if I truly understand why they went to see Cut. Am I out of my mind here? Like, what was the goal? Greg, did you pick up on, like, what they're actually doing? Not really, other than they needed, well, you know, they talk about how Cut is, you know, he's good at hiding, he's good at making himself disappear, and I think they kind of had that on their minds, you know, they were thinking that he could give them what they need, or a place to hide, or a place to go to disappear, and um, obviously that's not going to be the case, Um, but other than that, I think they just needed to find someone that they knew they could trust, you know, and and right now that's going to be few and far between. Yeah, I think for me, it's, it's exactly that trust. I mean, think about it. The, the clones don't talk to anyone except for other clones. They don't have friends in, other than the Jedi, but those are all dead by their hands. So I think for both the Bad Batch and Rex, this is one clone that you know 100% is okay, isn't being corrupted by the the chips. It, it's a, a someone that has been out in the world, has probably connections, especially living in the outer realm. Like... Like, I understand why they might go to Cup because they didn't know Rex was even an option. I mean, in their eyes, every other clone is is bad news. And the bad yeah, I was wondering that. about that. I didn't remember. Does Rex escape Order 66? How does that work? I'm tra- I was I was wondering about that. Yeah, they in the lost seasons of Clone Wars, they dive into which is it's beautiful. You should watch. Oh, that. is that the season seven? Yeah. I did watch that. I didn't remember that bit though. I that for some reason that slipped by. Got mind. you. Ahsoka Ahsoka got it out. He he's mm. had the chip and Ahsoka right. got I it. I remember out. that now. I remember all of that now. I don't know why. God, what a major thing to forget. But yes. <laughs> yes. Uh yeah, no, I'm I'm super excited to see uh to see Rex. And I guess that does make a you make a good point with uh it can, because it does start to feel like uh they're more so helping cut on this mission. And it's interesting because they end up going to town because they're looking for a shuttle off world and they're talking and and one of uh Cut's biggest advice to them is like, dude, if you're gonna do this, like you have to do it hundred percent. You have to like lay down the soldier mentality. And it's pretty clear, like almost immediately that they're not ready to do that, which uh I mean obviously I don't know how exciting the show would be if they didn't, so um you don't want to watch them become farmers and like grow some beets and stuff. Omega like goes to school. 
Aww, I guess Grogu yeah. did that too. Yeah, I was gonna say we've already <laughs> seen this. Go give Omega some blue cookies, okay? <laughs> oh no, uh, we're manifesting uh, Omega School for sure. I'm telling Hopefully you, I'm gonna be very disappointed when this is just a Mandalorian animated version, but yeah. just switch out Mandalorian for the Bad Batch. Hopefully, Omega won't eat any lizard eggs. Yeah, imagine uh, Wrecker with like uh, a baby. Like uh, what are they called? The the little baby straps that go across your your chest, and you put, and she he'll just put Omega in there. Be a big one, but I guess yeah. it's record. So yeah, because Omega's really not a baby. She's I don't even know if she's a toddler. I think she's a step up from she's toddler. Probably like eight, I think. Yeah, yeah. So um, another interesting. Again, we're we're like this is like a lot of this is building out the world of what it's like directly after mm-hmm. Order sixty six. One thing that um, was interesting was this new chain code method that they had. It seemed like everybody was required to have a chain code. Uh, Money had to be passed through chain codes. So um, I don't know. I guess it was it it was interesting mechanic for a mission for them to have here. Other than that, the chain code. I mean, I don't know if it's super relevant. It's kind of like the midichlorians of this episode. Like, uh, (laughs) like. I think that's them explaining because I believe Solo, and it might have been done in a couple others. Solo, I believe, used the chain codes. Uh, it's like a big mm. storyline. So I think it was just a way of like uh, doubling down on it of like, guys, that that's a thing. Yeah, like everyone got um, chain codes, but it did make sense too. Like the way that tech explains it, of like, yeah, they know where everybody is. Like they want to control every single person the minute they went into power. Yeah, it is really scary. It's almost uh, just the fact that they could not leave their own planet if they like. They've made it so difficult. Like that is a scary. Uh, that is a scary idea. So yeah, it, it is. It is haunting from the from the Empire here. I bet it'll turn into a mechanic for future episodes too. Like if there's something inhibiting your freedom to do things, whether it's buy something or travel or any of those things, it's like you can turn it into a mechanic for adventures to get around it. And I wouldn't be surprised if it comes up again. Yeah. So uh, we come back to Omega here. She's, uh, I I like the scene again. She's, we're kind of experiencing the world with her. She's playing ball with the other kids. The ball goes over the fence and, uh, the cat from Attack of the Clone shows up. This that was that was interesting. Um, what, what I guess my favorite part though was uh, the the I can't remember her name. Uh, cuts cuts wife the Twi'lek uh, and her sniping skills. She was kind of a badass in the scene. So what do you think about the uh, the cat encounter, Tommy? Um, I liked it, but like, listen, if the kids are telling you not to go out there, don't go get the stupid ball, like. Just leave the ball. They can go get it later. Also, didn't the kids kind of sound like... I swear one of them sounded like Phil from uh, Rugrats. Oh, interesting. We'll have to look yeah. into that. That that could very well be intentional. Or not intentional, but that could very well be an OS actor. <laughs> yeah, but- didn't you know that Phil from Rugrats went off and went into the Star Wars universe? It's all canon now. Oh, no, not Rugrats. Darth Darth <laughs> <laughs> um. But yes, yeah, so um, uh, we're also we're on the journey of Hunter learning how to uh, treat a child, right? Um, while Omega does make the choice to be more of a soldier later on, and maybe that is a direct uh, result of how Hunter treats her, but he does treat her like a soldier in this moment. He kind of condemns her for running off, and then uh, Cut 
he's like, look, that's not how it's done. You got to comfort, right? Um, so it's it's going to be interesting again. Uh, maybe this is too close to the Mandalorian, but we, we we're getting some daddy skills on this show. Daddy Hunter. Yeah. I just hope it doesn't turn into too much of that on every episode. You know, I like, I like it's, it's star Wars, you know, <laughs> it's like, we got a lot of that on Mandalorian. I want to, I want to see things move. And, uh, and I just hope it just, I just hope they don't go overkill with that. Yeah. And I think the first two episodes, this is okay. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, right sure. now. I'm not ready. Yeah, of yeah, course. I, no, I'm not no, ready to no. jump out of my seat, but I agree with you as like these first two episodes, they feel too much of things that we've already gotten and i want i want you to justify why we're getting this show like why are we watching this if it's just the same thing rinse and repeat but star wars also loves to do that because george lucas set the standard of like oh but it's all got to be poetic like everything has to rhyme and 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 flow into each other and uh it it makes it tough sometimes to be a, a star wars writer producer i imagine Yes. Um, I, I don't know. I think I might have passed over this, but there was a moment um, as well. And maybe it was right around in the scene. But uh, Hunter is Hunter is ready to give up Omega. He wants he wants Omega to go with Cut. And we kind of see this play out in the next couple scenes where they make an extra chain code and basically try to uh, push her off onto Cut, which was interesting. Um, yeah. What what do you think about all that, Tommy? It's but it's the same thing. Then we see the same thing from Mandalorian when he tried to pawn Grogu off to the little village and be like, You guys take him because I he grow he can't live with me. My life is too angsty, uh, up here fly guying it around. Yeah, I, I mean, I knew it was coming, like, I knew he was going to try to pawn Omega off, and then obviously, clearly, we were going to see Omega, uh, we were going to see Omega not follow orders classic classic little little kid you know getting into trouble uh you love to see it or you hate to see it if you're a parent uh yeah but I, the rest of this really is uh we get just it's basically another action scene we, we get a little shoot out here um greg did anything stand out uh between i guess between them trying to get the chain codes and then the preceding incidents where the clones catch on to them no, it was all it was all good and fun. I will say I liked this bit more than um the the woeful daddy stuff a lot, I think. Um I I I don't know why I'm harping on that so much. I just really <laughs> thought there was a lot of it in this episode, you know. I'm just I think I you know, I'm just worried we're gonna get a lot of that. But I shouldn't be the first episode was I, I also think it's because the first episode was so good and I just felt like the second one was a little a little uh not as exciting but i mean that's to be expected too i mean what are we what are we anyways um no this was this was all good and fun i liked um i i liked us getting to see omega be you know herself getting doing things really well again sneaking around not getting caught you know um some of it you know she got the distraction when uh wrecker came in and so she was able to get away and get the get the things we're able to see her make the choice to come back to the bad batch who she's been very fascinated with from the very beginning obviously so um this was this was all good yeah michael have you ever tried to pawn off your children to someone like uh I don't know, like Dr. Stan comes into town and you're like, you know, they can't be with me. They can't live here. Uh, you got to take them instead and raise them right. And uh, has that ever happened to you? Uh, it, it depends on the day and the kid, <laughs> uh, right? Uh, 
depends on how they're acting, you know. One day I'll it's get, one kid, one day it's the other. They say we don't have favorites, but uh, look. I'll get you those toddler. chain codes. I'll get you those chain codes. Don't you worry. Uh, we are known on this podcast for having, uh, for me not being a dad, we have had a lot of dad conversations of like parenting advice, like uh, giving your children whiskey and uh, now chain codes. Now, if you want your children to leave, just get them a chain code. That's all it takes, right? Uh, yeah. The thing is, Hunter didn't have a wife to answer to. And I think that's the real complicating factor here. That is true. I, I think, yeah, Hunter definitely needs to be shacked up here soon. So um, <laughs> somebody keep him in line. Or maybe that's what Omega is. Maybe Omega will be like the mother slash wife. I mean, that sounds, I don't yeah, mean it like that, but like right. no, the, no, the I figure know. in his life that, that kind of puts him in line. Right. Yeah, 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 totally. No, but yeah, I, I think this, nice end, here. this ending scene, like it's super intense. You get some fun record moments. Again, like anytime record can like smash into people, it's funny. I liked his little line of like, oh, I'll get my chain code. And then he shows his one hand. He's like, oh, it must be in the other hand. Oh, yeah. And then he slams their heads together. That was pretty funny. Um, and yeah, I think it's just setting up. I think we needed this to set up their journey with Omega, where they go next. Now we know possibly maybe they'll look for Rex. Uh, they'll go back to Saw. I don't know. We don't know. They can't go back home. So now they're just off on their own, flying flying that big Star Wars sky. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that, that does take us to the end of the episode. Um, I, I think we're all on the same page that, um, I mean, that that premiere was, was really incredible. And, oh, yeah. Um, in true Star Wars television fashion, um, that they had to let things settle a little bit with the second episode. Again, this kind of feels like uh, this might be the episode where, like, because I've talked about it before, I have the watch list uh, spreadsheet mm -hmm. where I tell you all the important episodes to watch. This could very well be the episode where, like, you don't have to really watch it um, if you don't want to, like, if you're really trying to get through the series quick. Um but yeah, so uh, first episode, absolutely incredible. I, I really hope to see more stuff like that. And I think we will. Um, so really excited for the future of the Bad Batch here. Yeah, me too. I thought it was really great. I think, you know, one of the things, especially about in this era of Star Wars is that you have you know, and I felt it all the way through Clone Wars, this like feeling of dread as like Palpatine is growing in power and everybody's blind to it. And you wonder why didn't they just let the raving monster on Coruscant eat him? And then they, this whole problem would have been solved from the beginning and stuff. But I mean, um, you know, I feel like I feel like that dread is what I felt in the first episode, like this thing of things going wrong. And I and I expect to see more of that. Obviously, you can't have the whole show be like that. But we saw that in Clone Wars and we're going to see it, I think, more going forward. And I'm really interested to see this whole like for the first time, as far as I know, this this like development from of, of the Empire. Right. Of uh, of like what what is happening at like such a crucial point in the star wars universe that we've never really seen before and i think that is going to be really interesting too i think my favorite element uh especially compared to like the rebels era of the skywalker saga um i, I think i think the big difference here is there isn't much of a rebellion yet we see a little bit mm -hmm. of what saul is going to be building up and um, we'll be crossing paths with Rex. But other than that, at this point, it's kind of the Bad Batch versus the world. And I think that's so much cooler because um, even in the original trilogy, like it never was our core little group. There was always the bigger rebellion behind them. And um, there, there really isn't any solid 
stance of that just yet. So, yeah, I think it, it, it's the Bad Batch versus the world, and uh, I'm really excited to see it. But, uh, yeah, so that, that takes us to the end here. Um, awesome first two episodes. And, uh, Greg, uh, we usually close out this show with some uh, news and recommendations. Um, I actually Tom, – Tommy, are you prepared today? L- let me – let's start there. Oh, why <laughs> would I – Tommy Pazuo ever not be prepared. Of course, I actually have two stories. Right, please stall for me one. as I forgot <laughs> how this podcast works and I need to. Yes. Uh, it's okay. That's usually me, Michael. Uh, I will start with this one new story. So this is, you know, I guess less of a story and more of just like updates. These are five uh, Star Wars games that have reportedly been in development that have kind of been slipped at like, these are most likely happening and, and in the works. The first one is the Mandalorian game. There is, there is talks that a Mandalorian game has, is being, being created a fallen order Two game Knights of the old Republic remake, the high Republic, which I believe uh, Michael has, has, Recommended the books, and there's talks that's going to be a game now. And Battlefront 3. So exciting news on the Star Wars front. If you've been missing out on some games, they're they're in their horizon probably like the next two years because you know how long it takes sometimes for these people to make. They're not like pinballs, Greg. These games take so much time. Funnily enough, in the Star Wars news, there is a Star Wars The Mandalorian pinball machine announced this week. Whoa! See, look, Greg even has a news story ready, Michael. That's right. It'll be produced by Stern Pinball. I don't know much about it. They just released a teaser trailer the other day that said, coming soon, Star Wars The Mandalorian. It will be the sixth ever pinball machine around the Star Wars franchise uh, created. Uh, I think that makes it the most licensed property in the pinball universe. Um, But uh, yeah, I'm I'm actually really excited to see it. 100% 100% Grogu is going to be that thing where it like sucks the ball in and it takes a second oh, yeah. to it back yeah. out. Like Grogu's going to get yeah. in his little hand and they're going to be like, put down the A, Grogu. And he's oh, yeah, absolutely. The There's out. no yeah. doubt about it. <laughs> we were already making jokes about that on all of the pinball forums. There's, there's, there's no way they passed that up. Yes. I do have one more story, Michael, if you are. are uh... Go for it, please. <laughs> I got you. Uh, my other story, again, maybe it won't be big, maybe it will, but the cast list for Doctor Strange, uh, Multiverse of Madness, you know, has, has been out. And people are uh, freaking out about there is a character named John Prophet, who, is, or the actor name, sorry, not the, the actor's name is John Prophet, and he's playing a character dubbed New Yorker 616. Now, as some people that know the Marvel Universe knows, that Earth-616 is a pretty big deal in the Marvel Universe. So people are now speculating what possibly this person could be. Maybe it is just a random New Yorker that happens to have the the number 616. Maybe they're using chain codes, and now everyone is, is numbered. Who knows? But interesting stuff going on over in uh, our favorite place, the Doctor Strange world. Yeah. All right. So I, I look, I, I actually didn't want to do this new story um, because it, it's almost like, uh, especially if you're listening to this podcast as a Marvel fan, um, you definitely did not miss the phase four trailer that dropped. A um, lot of interesting stuff to come out of that. We get the uh, 
obviously Captain Marvel 2 now is called The Marvels, which uh, we, based on the logo, we could assume definitely Miss Marvel and Captain We lost him. Oh, we lost Michael. We'll be back. He'll be back. I can feel it. (laughs) I got to say, even as not a particularly, uh, you know, oh, here we go. Nice. Uh, there we go. I, I'm a mess. I don't even know how that just happened, but <laughs> let me start over. You just really didn't want to talk about that news story. Uh, the it's, it's, it, I mean, uh, I, I feel like everyone watched that trailer if they're a big Marvel fan. So, um, but yes, we, we get the the Phase Four. Um, we get the Marvels, which is going to be Captain Marvel Two with uh, Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel, and uh, uh, quite possibly our our other our Captain Marvel from uh, WandaVision coming in there. That'd be interesting to see. It's also uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, which is going to be interesting to see how they follow up the unfortunate passing of Chadwick Boseman and how they tackle that issue. So um, I'm excited for that. But we also got footage of the Eternals, which uh, I'm also pretty stoked about. Not too not too much there, but uh, just a little tease. So I'm excited for that movie. That, that's all out in the Phase 4 trailer. Um, and I'll even jump into my recommendation now because this is one. Yes, Tommy. I was going to say real quick, though, that was a pretty interesting uh, four at the end of the Phase 4 yes. trailer. How could I um, Potentially, it's all going to end with Fantastic Four. That's what it felt like it was hinting at. Like, this all Phase 4 ends with Fantastic Four. And maybe King the Conqueror. And that's how they introduced King as the big villain. Yeah, I'm interested to see how that goes. Uh, it's hard for me to imagine that there's not, like, a greater... Avengers movie and, and maybe Fantastic Four will act in that way kind of the way that uh, Captain America Civil War did but um, yeah I, I feel like they've got more up their sleeve here uh, there's got to be uh, a Young Avengers come on where are you Young Avengers I also got to say as not a particularly deep Marvel fan that watching that trailer with the Stanley narration gave me chills it was so well done it was really really great I and shed a tear yeah and that's how I feel like uh, Wakanda Forever is. Uh, that's going to be a tearjerker yeah. movie. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, even even just like uh, they showed uh, footage from inside the theater at Endgame and the reaction. Oh and, yeah, that was really that, great. I mean, that was emotional on so many levels because it took me back to like. I mean, that's like probably like one of the biggest events that mm-hmm. I will ever experience in my life as far as movies go. Uh, hopefully not. I mean, I would like to see movies continue to grow in that way, but um, it, it was such a huge moment in, in the theater, but also like over the past year where we, I haven't been in the theater in so long. And um, yeah, just uh, yeah, it was a bit very, mo- very emotional trailer. So if you haven't seen the phase four trailer, go check it out. Cause it's good on many different levels. Yeah. I mean that to uh, me, at least for me, that was my, my star Wars moment. I mean, like you always think about that movie that defines your, your, life your your generation and i would say the marvel universe as a whole defines me like iron man when iron man came out and just like all of this is like it's definitely has that effect and seeing in game and in theater opening night was just such an experience and to see that in that in the trailer was just it's fun yes that theater moment that's what luke i am your father was like when seeing empire strikes back for the first time seriously it was just like everybody freaking the hell out it was it was just unreal I wish I could have been there. Like, if I could, <laughs> I, honestly, if I could time travel, that would pop, that's like top five moments in history. I would guess. Yeah, that. yeah. Which is sad because it's just a movie theater, but I would do it. <laughs> uh, but yes, on to my on to my recommendation. 
I have been on a tear, guys. Um, I have recommended The Walking Dead. I have recommended Black Summer. I cannot stop talking about zombie things. So I will continue to hit you over the head with more zombie content. I've recently started playing. I played it a little bit before, but I, I've recently like really dove back into it. I'm playing State of Decay 2. And I want to tell you a little bit about this game um, because it is so fascinating in that um, basically what you do, you start with a small group of characters. And it's, it's, it's almost like walking to the game because your group will grow. But what's interesting is you'll start with a main character, but... You could you could start with that main character, walk into the game, that character dies immediately, but the story will continue on with other characters. So you're the entire the entire game, the entire like everything can change. Like unlike anything I've ever seen before, the entire story can be changed and manipulated in the way that the characters come and go in this game. And you can switch between them and play different character types. And I, I find that really exciting because you're really making stories in and of itself. Um, because I, I will like Tommy and I could both play the game and we would both start at the same exact starting point, but our end point will be drastically different. Um, so if you're into that kind of thing, if you're into like crafting your own story, I would say state of decay is the way to go. And if you also like zombie <laughs> games, um, but yes, yeah, so that, that is my recommendation this week. State of decay too. I'm going to make sure that we have the exact same storyline now. I'm going to make yeah, sure just, I follow everything you do. <laughs> How dare you, Tommy? I'm trying to be unique <laughs> in my story. I'm like running after you. <laughs> well, uh, well, my recommendation this week is I don't think, you know, that's I need to keep track of all my recommendations because I never know if I say them or not. Same. I forget like next week. I have recently uh, got back into playing Pokemon with some friends doing a Nuzlocke. If you know what a Nuzlocke is, it's it's way harder than the regular way to play Pokemon. You basically go through, you ca- you have to catch the first Pokemon in each route. You don't get multiple chances. You just have to catch that first one or it's done. And when your Pokemon faints, it's dead. It's done. You can't use it ever again. And you have to name them so it's even sadder because you just have to see them go. Well, that got me, that long tangent basically got me my recommendation, which is I've been rewatching Pokemon X and Y. And I really think that's a good, if you missed the nostalgia of Pokemon and you tried watching the original first season, you're like, yeah, it's a little outdated. X and Y is a really good mix of that original feeling with a more modern take on Pokemon. I think it's really well done. I am not a huge Pokemon fan, but um, I trust you, Tommy, and uh, I I will second your recommendation because I know you would not recommend, especially when it comes to animation. So, um, Greg, do you do you have a recommendation for us? I've been watching. Um, well, uh, you may have talked about this already, but I really love the Circle. Um, not just the U.S. Circle, but for those who can find it, the last season of Circle UK was absolutely amazing. It was so much fun and so entertaining. If you're into reality TV, it's not deeply strategic, um, but the characters were absolutely hilarious, and it's really, really well produced and really fun. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I've been going back to the beginning of the reality TV universe and watching a show called The Mole. Um the Mole was a show that first uh, aired in 2001, hosted by a baby, Anderson Cooper. And it has 
um, 10 contestants and nine of them are playing for the, a pot of money. And one of them is a mole that was planted by production to help thwart them from winning that pot of money. And every week they go through a quiz that where they have to answer questions about the mole and whoever answers the least amount of questions right gets eliminated. And at the end, whoever answers the most questions right gets the money. You have three people. One is the winner, one is the loser, and one is the mole. And uh, it's really interesting. It's pretty, it's pretty easy to watch. The episodes are on YouTube. It's funny seeing Anderson Cooper 20 years ago hosting a reality show when nobody knew who he was and uh, i've been really enjoying it and the first season's real short it's only 10 episodes so yeah no i really uh i need to hop on the i, I have a recommend the u.s circle but i like when we get double recommendations because it's like guys come on you need to hop on this bandwagon oh um, yeah but i have not watched the uk version and i have to say I, I i gotta do it and it probably is hilarious because i love British people and the way they talk and their mannerisms and uh, some of the lingo they have. It just cracks me up because I watch Love Island UK, um, which is absolutely hilarious in that way. So I guess I will second both US and UK, the circle. And I guess I have to get on the mole too. So yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. All right. Well, that, that takes us to the end. Um, this was our first recap of the bad batch. I think it went pretty well. Uh, Greg, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'll sure. give you a moment uh, if you want to like tell people what you what you're up to, where people can find you. Um, yeah, take it away. Yeah, sure. Uh, if you want to find me ranting about reality television related things, uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, Jason's underscore stick. And if you want to find me ranting about much more boring professional workplace stuff, you can find me on Twitter at Greg D. Dunlap. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been really fun. And I've been really enjoying my uh, delve back into the extended Star Wars universe and uh, and peppering Michael with my comments on Twitter along the way as I, as I reach, you know, important episodes. And uh, can we please, please, I would love nothing more than to see a new Star Wars show about Asajj and the Night Sisters, like a whole show about all of that. It would be amazing. Those were my favorite episodes of the Clone Wars. Uh, absolutely. I want to hear your Rebel takes when you get there, because Rebels is probably, I like Clone Wars, but Rebels is my, like, that's the one I feel like I got into when everyone was done with it. And I'm like, Guys, but Rebels, like like Clone Wars is fine, but Rebels is where it's at now. I should, I've been thinking about whether I want to start it while Bad Batch is going or not. And I probably will, especially knowing now that a lot of this stuff is call forwards to Rebels. It'd be nice to get caught up before Bad Batch gets too deep. Yeah, and I got to throw in one more recommendation here because you mentioned it. Um, uh, the Dark Disciple. Uh, I don't know if you know what that is, Greg, but... No. Basically, what the Dark Disciple is, it it after the Clone Wars was originally canceled before season seven, they were trying to find ways to finish out a lot of those storylines. And the way they finished uh, Asajj's storyline was with this book called The Dark Disciple. Hmm. And it's also a company, I don't know if you remember Quinlan Voss, the Jedi in Clone Wars. He's got like dreadlocks. He's really cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's those two characters in this book. And I don't want to say anything else. Just in case you check it out, but uh, you, there's some great Night Sister stuff and some great Asajj stuff in there, so I thought you might appreciate that. And anybody awesome. else who likes that kind of stuff. Um, but yes, that takes us to the end here. Um, couple couple closing notes here. I got I gotta thank our good friend Aaron Robertson who opened us up here with our music, and Ethan Kellum who did our logo. And you can find both of their social media handles in the show notes. I also like to remind you guys to rate and review us on iTunes, five star reviews preferably. 
and tell a friend. I think that's the best way to get the word about the podcast. So, um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening and thank you for listening every single week, despite our changes from Marvel to star Wars. It means a lot to us. Um, but that's all we got for you today. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. Bye.